Well, good morning, 9 a.m. How are you guys doing this morning? You guys doing all right? Welcome, welcome to Coastal. My name is TJ, and I'm one of the pastors here. We're so glad that you're with us. We're in the second week of this series called Habits of Happiness. And uh, like I said last week, this, this series is kind of a bait and switch because a lot of people want happiness in their life. But as we discussed a little bit last week, that happiness is something that is based on happenings in life. But we can have something way more substantial in life than happiness. We can have this thing called joy that can permeate our lives, that can change our lives, that can transform our lives. And we started this series off, and this has been a series that's based on the book of Philippians. And we just kind of gave you a little bit of history last week. And so I just want to kind of recap a little bit of that so you understand where we're coming from. In case you missed last week, I encourage you to go back, listen to the podcast, watch online. Uh, But the book of Philippians was written by the Apostle Paul. And uh, he had actually planted this church in Philippi, and it was one of his favorite churches. He had this affinity and this love for it. And, and so he is writing a letter to them, just expressing his love and his gratitude and how thankful he is for them. And throughout the book of Philippians, the word joy or rejoice is actually mentioned 16 times throughout these four chapters of the book of Philippians. And so you see this overarching theme that, man, we are to rejoice and we're to have joy and we're to have all this stuff in our lives. But then when you start to understand the context of where Paul is coming from, it gives you a whole nother perspective because Paul had this dream in his life to go and to be a missionary and bring the gospel of Jesus Christ to the Romans. And on his venture or on his journey to Rome, he ends up getting arrested and he's actually being imprisoned and taken to Rome awaiting trial in Rome to be executed. And it says, in fact, that Paul was actually chained to a Roman centurion in his prison for two years awaiting this execution. So it's not like he's showing up to Rome on vacation thinking he's going to do some incredible things. He's actually writing this book from a prison cell. And so when you start to think about his circumstances, his circumstances were really, really terrible. But yet in spite of his circumstances, he still had this joy and this overwhelming uh, ability to rejoice in the midst of of his circumstances. And so the question for all of us is, is what did Paul have going for him in the midst of those difficult circumstances? Like what was so substantial in his life that allowed him to have that joy, to have that peace, to have that love, to to be able to rejoice in the middle of hardships? Because he had something way better than happiness. Because as we talked about last week, Happiness is based on external things. It's based on what's happening around you. In essence, we could say happiness is based on the happenings. But he wasn't basing his life based on what was external. He was basing it on something that was internal. And he said joy doesn't come from external things, but it comes from an internal thing. And it doesn't come from an external thing. It comes from an inside person. And it comes from this relationship with God that when you're in and you're right with Christ, as we looked in in Philippians chapter 1, that there is this overwhelming joy that's going to permeate your life. And this is critical for us because how many of y'all know some bad days are going to come in your life? Anybody experienced a bad day so far in their life? A couple of us. Uh, and, and some of you guys will, are like, well, why are you so negative? Why are you, why are you talking about bad days? Because I'm positive that bad days are coming, okay? And so I'll be positive on that front. We're all going to experience some difficult times. But that's where we can look into the Bible and realize that in places like Nehemiah, it says, 
do not grieve for the joy of the Lord is your strength. Listen, you're going to go through some difficult times and it's easy to cry and, and kind of sob in those moments. But we don't need to do that because this joy that God can bring to our lives will strengthen us in those moments. And the goal for us over the next couple of weeks as we're continuing this series is to go verse by verse and learn how to have joy no matter what our circumstances are in our life. But it's also to have a little bit of fun. I like to have fun. I like to tell jokes. I think church should be fun. Anybody else like think that church should be fun? It shouldn't be so stuffy. Like your pastor should be able to wear a camo jacket and a t-shirt. Like that makes it way more fun than like a three-piece suit. Like let's throw that junk out the window. Come in some shorts and flip-flops and a t-shirt. Please wear a t-shirt unless you got visible abs. You can then just, like that's the rule here. So like when I have visible abs, I'm not going to wear a shirt either. So anyways. Hey, it's just, the, it's just the rule that I said. As the pastor, I get to set rules. And that's like, we don't have a lot of religious rules. But if you got visible abs, you, can, you, don't, you don't have to wear a shirt, okay? Uh, that's for guys only. Guys only, okay? <laughs> Sorry, we're, we're, I, I'm going to hate on some genders here right now. If you, if you want to send me an email, send it to tj at idontcare.com, okay? Uh, anyways, like I said, we like to have fun. So, uh, <laughs> And I just like to say whatever I want. So, and Jesus said, let's go back to Jesus, because Jesus is way better than I am, okay? Uh, <laughs> he said, I've told you this, that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. And, and I think that that's what we're all going after. We're, after. we're all going after this idea of, man, we, we can have this complete joy in our life that can permeate any of our circumstances. And I believe that over the next couple of weeks, we're going to learn how to really, really have that. And today we're going to tackle what I think is, is an area that probably kills and steals our joy more than any other area, and that's uh, when it comes to relationships, relational conflict can steal some joy. Can anybody give me like an amen right there? When you are gotten some, some problems with somebody, man, it can steal your joy so, so fast. And we've all been on the giving end of some relational conflict, and we've all been on the receiving end of some relational conflict. I, I, personally, I like to give it rather than receive it, but that's just my own perspective. Uh, but Paul realizes that this causes a lot of problems when it comes to joy in your life. And so in chapter 2 of Philippians, he discusses some of the attitudes that cause us to lose joy when it comes to relationships, and then he gives us the remedy a little bit later on. And so I just want to look in the first couple of verses at what are some of the things and some of the attitudes that have the ability to permeate our relational circumstances to cause us to lose sight of the joy that we have in our lives. And if you're taking notes, the first fill in the blank there for you is this word disunity. I believe that disunity can cause you to lose so much joy in your life. And this is what Paul says in Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. If you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any fellowship with his spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and in purpose. And so Paul right there says, man, the important thing that you need to have is unity. You need to be of the same mindset. You need to be of the same love. And the reason he's saying this is because there is some relational conflict going on in the Philippian church. If you were to flip over to Philippians chapter 4, you would realize that there is some conflict between two women 
that are named Yod, I don't know what, one's name is E and the other one's name is S, okay, because I can't say their names. And so we got E and S and they got issues with one another, you know what I'm saying? Like they got problems. One's like, uh-uh, you did not say that. And she's like, uh-huh, yes, I did. You know, and that thing is going down. It's going down for real. You know, it's like that is happening right there. Like some disagreements are happening. Anybody ever experienced a disagreement with somebody? If you're married, you should be like. <laughs> yeah, we've all experienced disagreements. We've all experienced some things that cause some disunity in a relationship, some differences of opinion. And, and sometimes when that happens, we start to talk about it a little bit, don't we? We start to get a little gossipy about that situation. In fact, I found this story of this lady named Mildred. Who, who happened to like to gossip. In fact, she thought that that was her role and her responsibility in the church was to know everybody's dirt and to talk about their dirt. And so because she had so much dirt on everybody, nobody would confront her because they were afraid of what she might say about them. Anybody ever met somebody like that? Don't look at them if they're sitting next to you, okay? And so Mildred one day uh, saw that George, who was a new member, his truck was parked out in front of the local only town bar. I guess this was in like Alabama or something. They have like one thing for, for each city. And so, um, sorry, I'm hating on Alabama today. I just, I just ran into a lot of Alabama people today. And I, let me just tell you something. This has nothing to do with the sermon. But I, I, one time in my life, I rooted for Alabama, okay, in a football game. Uh, this year, this past year, I went to the Alabama LSU game. And uh, because the guy I went with is a huge Alabama fan, and he said I had to wear a, a, an Alabama t-shirt. And so I bought an Alabama t-shirt that day, and we're sitting at a tailgate, and it's freezing. It's, it's like raining like crazy, and so it's cold, and I have like a poncho on. And I'm standing next to a heater. A heater is behind me, and my poncho catches on fire. And so like I, that's how I knew right there that God does not like Alabama. Like, tried to, tried to burn me. He's like, you are, you are from the Satan right there. Like, I'll like, just put you back where you deserve. Anyways, let me get back to my story. Uh, where was, okay, so she sees George's truck at the local bar. And so she goes to everybody and she goes, you know what, George, George is a drinker. George is getting drunk. George is doing all this. And, 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 and they're like, well, how do you know? Well, I saw his truck in front of the bar, and you can only assume what he's doing in there. And so she says this to George, and George just doesn't say anything to her. He just looks at her, smiles, and just walks away. And everybody's like, man, that's crazy. It's crazy. She goes, you better, you, we know what you're doing, George. We saw your truck. We know what's happening when you're inside that bar. And so George, later that night, goes and parks his truck in front of her house and leaves it there all night. I wouldn't say that's the best way to resolve some conflict, but uh, that is one effective way to get somebody to shut up sometimes. Uh, but people that are talkers and people that, that are sowing discord, man, they, they have a tendency just to be able to, to just crush the joy that's in our lives. And, and we have some rules around our house, man. If we've got a problem with one another, we don't let that stuff sit. Man, we go and we address it right away. We have this belief that, man, there can't be any disunity in our house. If there's, if there's some differing of opinions, we need to have some conversations with each other, not with other people. A lot of us, we like to have conversations with other people, which just causes more disunity. We need to have some conversations with one another and resolve that. And Paul right here is encouraging us, man, 
We can't let this stuff sit in our lives and conflict to boil over because it just rubs and it rubs and it just causes all of this friction in life. And when we think about most of the conflict, it's caused by one thing most of the time. And, and I think James, the brother of Jesus, addresses this in James chapter 4. He says, what causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires to battle within you? And most of the time, the desire that's battling within us is this desire, and it's one that gets us all, it's this desire to be right. Like, I just want to win. The, I don't even care what I'm arguing about most of the time. I just want to win. Some of y'all are smiling because you're like, that's me. You don't even believe in what you're battling about. You just want to win because you like winning. And sometimes it's all about our desires. And he says, man, we got to get past our desires. Decide, man, keeping unity is more important to restore joy in our life. Paul then shows us another attitude that gets in the way a lot. And it's this attitude of pride. It's this attitude of pride. And pride kills our joy because it always forces you to make a judgment about somebody else. And in order to have pride, you've got to elevate something and lower somebody. And most of the time, we're elevating ourselves and lowering somebody else in life. And there's nothing that's positive that really ever comes through that. And I promise you this, that it will always end up stealing your joy. That's why he says in verse 3, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. I would call vain conceit pride. He says, but in humility, consider others better than yourself. That word others there means other people. And that word better literally means worthy of respect. He says it's important that you have this perspective that, man, it's not about you and, and how puffed up you can be. It's to respect other people. But we live in a world today that is so concerned with the vain conceit aspect of life. It's the prod rod of life and and what happens is we end up comparing ourselves among ourselves and this wasn't a big deal necessarily 10 years ago because 10 years ago you would compare yourself with two or three people down the line because that's all you really had a relationship with but with social media today we're not comparing ourselves with two or three or five people anymore we're comparing ourselves with hundreds and thousands of people and I believe that social media is to prod what gasoline is to fire. Man, it will just burn and blow you up in life. And what you end up doing is you end up having this comparison game where you're elevating yourself and you're trying to outdo the other person. And you're putting out your highlight reels and they're putting out their highlight reels of what's going on in their life. And I know, I probably don't need to remind you of this, but I'm going to anyways. Social media is not real life. It's not real life. And if you're living your life based on social media, Facebook, Twitter, uh, Instagram, Meerkat, Snapchat, whatever other social media things are out there today, we forget that it's the highlight reel of people's lives, not the reality of their lives. Because if you were to go and look at the, the reality of their lives, let's just take Instagram. Let's take Instagram, for instance. Somebody will go and, and post a picture like this. They're gonna, they're, the foodie people, they're like, oh, man, I'm about to kill this hamburger. And they, they spent three hours making this look like this when the reality is, is their hamburger looks like this. 99% of the time, that's what it looks like. 
Or, or how about this one? You're, you have this amazing, like, isn't that, the cat is so cute. My, my kitty is so cute. But we all know that your cat is the devil. <laughs> like, there's nothing cute about cats, okay? Like, we all know that's what it looks like. Oh, yes, it does. Uh, or your, your kid, oh, aren't they cute? They're painting this, like, per, in their white T-shirt with their checkered suspenders. But we all know that their kid's painting session looks like this. <laughs> and so what happens is, 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 man, social media is fun. It's great. I love seeing what people are doing on social media. But there's no win in comparison. And comparison is always the greatest thief of your joy. And what happens for us is, man, our pride rears up, and we want to compare ourselves among ourselves, and it hurts us. And that's why Proverbs tells us a man's pride brings him low. Because you know what? If you're going to compare yourself among yourself, you're always going to find somebody who's doing better. You're always going to find somebody that that can stage that picture better than you can. Man, it was our 16th anniversary Friday night. Shayla probably took 50 pictures of us at dinner and used none of them because she couldn't find the right one. I took one picture of us working out because I knew it didn't matter if we looked ugly in that picture. Like, I was like, that works. But it's all about us trying to elevate ourselves. Said another area that kills our joy is selfishness. Selfishness. Focus on what I want and what I need. It's all about me. In verse 4, he says, Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. He's saying, listen, it's okay to have some interests, but if all of your interests are all about you, you're messing it up. you got to look to other people. It's not just about you. It's about others as well. And this is what I found. If, if you're going through life and you're helping somebody and expecting to get something in return, you're doing business with that person. You're not doing kindness. You're just being selfish in those transactions And Paul was encouraging us, don't be selfish. Don't be selfish. And so what Paul is getting us to see is that, man, we've got to change our attitudes. We've got to take on a different attitude persona. And in verse 5, he says, your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. And in essence, what he's saying is, he's saying, man, if we want to have this relational joy in our life, if we really want to experience this to the fullest, then there are some, there are some attitude adjustments we've got to make from these three to some new attitude, attitudes. And Paul talks about how Jesus modeled these in his own life and then gives some personal reference at the end of this chapter. And if you're taking notes, the first thing he, he encouraged us to do is he says, man, you've got to give up your own rights. He says, you, you've got to give up your own rights. It says this in verse 6, referring to Jesus. It says, who being in the very nature of God did not consider equality with God something to be grasped. And there's a couple words in there that I think are, are really important. Equality, he didn't feel like he deserved to be equal with God even though he was part of God. When he humbled himself to this earth, he didn't take on that position. He says, man, I'm not gonna take that position. I'm not gonna try to be equal with God. I'm just gonna do whatever God wants me to do. And so he realized that, that that picture was this idea of letting that grasp go. At that point, he said, man, I'm going to let go of those things, and I'm, that grasp that I had of Godhead, I am going to let go, and I'm going to have open 
hands with my life. And when Jesus lowered himself below everyone else, you know what that did? That elevated everyone around him. When he let go of that thing, it elevated everyone. That's why later on Paul says, but even if I am being poured out like a drink offering on the sacrifice and service of the coming faith, I'm glad and rejoice with you all. And what Paul is, is getting to this point of is he's saying, listen, man, you can't make me mad and you can't steal my joy because I've already given up my rights in my life. In Galatians 2.20, he says, I'm crucified with Christ. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. He says, man, I've died to my rights and my desires and my abilities. And listen, when you give up your rights, Nothing can make you sad, nothing can make you angry, nothing can steal your joy, because a dead man can't be angry, he can't be jealous, he can't be depressed, because none of his life is his. None of her life is hers. It's the moment where you've got to lose control of everything that you think you can control. It's like right now, I... I if, in case you haven't heard, I love CrossFit because the first rule of CrossFit is to talk always about CrossFit. And I'm great at it because I love it. And so um, right now I'm in a, a coaching program with a guy in our gym. And the first rule that he told me is he said, TJ, I want you to disregard everything you know. And here's what I want you to do. I just want you to do everything I tell you to do. And I was like, I don't know if I like those rules. You know, I, I like to tell me what to do. And, but I decided that if I want to get better in life, that I've got to lose control of my life. That if I want to get better in this practice uh, of crossfitting, then I've got to allow myself to be coached and, and programmed by somebody else that knows a lot more than me. And so I said, okay, man, I'll do whatever you want. And so every day I show up to my box and I go, hey, what's my, my program for today? He lays out my program. I go in there and I just grind it out every single day. And you know what? For the first time, I'm not worried about my time. I'm not upset about my lifts. I'm going in there and I'm failing miserably at things that I've never failed at before because I'm doing things that I would have never done on my own. But when I started losing control is when I started finding freedom to experience some things that I've never experienced. And this is what I know for all of us is that we will experience freedom when we lose control of our life. In fact, Jesus told us this. He says, whoever tries to preserve his life will lose it, and whoever loses his life will preserve it. And he says, when you lose control, and illusion is the greatest control we have. That illusion of control is, man, it's just so manipulative because we think we can control all these circumstances and all these situations, and we just can't. But when we give up our rights, all of a sudden, somebody else can take control. And that somebody else is Jesus Christ. And when he starts to take control, it changes everything from our internal perspective. And as he starts to change everything on our internal perspective, the second thing that we'll start to do is we'll realize that we've got to serve somebody. We'll realize that serving is the biggest thing. In verse 7, it says, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant and being made in human likeness. It says, he took the nature of, the serve, of a servant. And in essence, what he's saying is he's, he was looking for the needs of others. He was constantly looking for those needs. And, and Paul continues on later on in this chapter of, of, of Philippians, and he talks about Timothy, who's, who's his favorite kind of spiritual son in life. And the reason he was his favorite spiritual son is because he embraced this attitude that he has got to serve somebody. And in verse 20, it says, I have no one else like Timothy who takes a genuine interest in your welfare. 
You know what, somebody that's a servant, you know what they do? They take a genuine interest in somebody else's welfare. They're, they're constantly on the lookout saying, like, who is my opportunity today? Who is the person that I can bring something to their life that they currently don't have? I just had this, this amazing experience uh, like a week ago. I was at uh, our, our cash, I think it's cash and carry that's right here on a, a sample and a 441. And, and I was in line and Shayla went to a different line because we had two different transactions going on. I don't know, really know why that was. And so I went to the self-checkout line because I thought that that would be the faster uh, way, you know, check out myself. Does, has anybody else tried those self-checkout lines? Like, you have got to be a computer genius to work those things. I'm just telling you what, I'm just not smart enough. And so I, I, it takes me a long time to get all my stuff scanned through, and I pay for it. And, and, and so I put our stuff in the cart that Shayla had because she was sitting there waiting on me. And a little old lady walks up, and she goes, excuse me, are you the bag boy? And I'm like, uh, do I look like a bag boy? Uh, <laughs> And, and I just, that's what I thought in my mind. But I turned and I looked at this little old lady. She was, she was hunchback. She's like, I, I, how do I use this? And I'm like, I'll be your bag boy. And so I, I like walked over and, and I helped her go through all the groceries and, and I was bagging them for her. And she's like, oh, you're so sweet. Here's a tip. And I'm like, no, ma'am, we're not allowed to accept tips here at Cash and Carry. And, and, uh, and I helped her check out, and, and I was like, do you need me to carry your bags? And I carried her bags out to her car, and, and when I got done with it, Shayla's like, what the heck were you doing? And I was like, I, I, was, that, I was that old lady's bag boy. I, I just... <laughs> but you know what? At the end of that, I felt so dang amazing. <laughs> like, it took an extra seven minutes out of my day just trying to ring up her two items at the checkout, self-checkout, and then two minutes to walk out to her car and put them in her car. But man, I had this overwhelming feeling of joy because I was serving somebody else, and, and it just made me question, like, why don't we do that kind of stuff all the time? Like, why don't we see those opportunities and try to make them happen and serve somebody else? Because what it's really trying to get us to do, what Jesus is trying to get us to move to, and what Paul is trying to get us to see is he's saying, like, listen, you got to give up your rights and you got to serve somebody else. But more than that, you got to live for the good of others. It's not just about serving other people. It's about living for their good. That's why in verse 8, he says, And being found in the appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on the cross. And you read a verse like that and you, sound, you say to yourself like, man, death, death sounds like a terrible repercussion for being about other people. But when you understand the fact that he died so you could live, all of a sudden you're way more grateful because you realize that he was living for the greater good of others. And then Paul references a guy named Epaphras, a guy named E in verse 29 and 30. And he says, welcome E in the Lord with great joy and honor men like him because he almost died for the work of Christ, risking his life to make up for the help that you could not give me. See, this guy E realized that it wasn't just about his good in life, it was about the good of others. And he was willing to live for the good of others. It just makes me think that as we're living in a culture that's 97% on 
unchurched where most people are very, very selfish with their time and their circumstances and their attitudes and, and all those things. It, if, if we would be somebody who makes everybody feel like a somebody, like we could impact our community because we wouldn't be living just for our good, but we would be living for their good. And Paul's saying, man, if you want your joy to be complete in life, it's not about you. It's about getting your eyes and getting your attention on the needs of others. And when you start helping other people meet their needs, all of a sudden there is this overwhelming joy that will permeate your life and transform your life. That's why John 15, 13 says, Greater love has no man than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. There's a quote by C.S. Lewis that I absolutely love. He says, don't shine so others can see you. Shine so that through you, others can see God shine. I think that's a great outlook for us. Shine so that others can see God because we're living for their good with our lives today. Let's pray. Father God, we just come before you. We thank you that you're a God that is about us experiencing joy in our lives no matter what our circumstances are. And I realize that some of us, we may not be experiencing joy like that today because we have some relational conflict happening in our lives. We have some disunity going on in some relationships. We have maybe some pride that's happening. Maybe it's our pride. Maybe it's somebody else's pride. Maybe they're prideful, but we're being selfish right now because we want to be right in that situation. And, and no matter where we are right now, that thing is hindering us from experiencing your joy in our life. And so I'm going to ask Pastor Steve to come up here and, and to pray for you guys that you could let, leave those things at the altar of Christ and give yourself to him by serving others and living for their good and dying to your rights.